Alright, uh, so could you introduce yourself to the people? That would be fantastic, if you're good. Okay, my name is Michael Harkin and I'm a health promotion specialist with a charity called Terence Higgins Trust. And in my role, I cover two health board areas. I cover NHS Fife and I cover NHS Fourth Valley. Mm-hmm. And my main job is to support men who have sex with men and also um, people living with HIV especially uh, gay men living with HIV. Because mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> I remember reading about the ATM Singing's Trust, and I originally started with that kind of main idea of the men having sex with men and then helping them sort of thing, but then it has kind of moved on into a sense of just helping people with HIV yeah. sort of thing. So, great thing. Well, we're now the, the largest sexual health charity in the whole of Britain. Mm-hmm. So, um, outside the NHS, we're, we're the, the charity that's doing the most amount of sexual health work. Mm-hmm. And that includes um, testing for, for, for various sexually transmitted infections, including HIV, yeah. hepatitis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. That's cool, man. That's cool. There's a. <clears throat> if you could explain, sorry, because uh, as I said, we, we try to try do our best to do a bit of research. Okay. Uh, could you explain the sort of differences between HIV and AIDS for us? Well, HIV is is the it's what you would acquire when you have, say, for example, unprotected sex. Um, you would acquire HIV from somebody, and depending on how that HIV is then living in your system, how long it takes to be detected, um, that really, um, I, I suppose that at the end of the day. That, if, if you don't know what your status is, when your body has been attacked that much by the HIV, that you, your blood counts are all completely messed up to the point where it's difficult for them to, to recover, mm-hmm. um, then, then you could become what is called um, full-blown AIDS. Yeah. So it's all got to do with blood counts. I brought up like a booklet and stuff along for you to have a look through today that explains it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. But basically what happens is when you go along for your HIV test and you're told you're HIV positive, you are then told what your CD4 counts would be and what your viral load counts would be. Mm-hmm. So basically it, it's got to do with your, your CD4 count um, so if you have um, a CD4 count of like um, less than 200 parts per... What, what is a CD4 count? It's, it's blood cells. It's, part right. of, it's a blood cell count. Okay. So depend, depending on where, you, where the CD4 count is, um, basically that, that shows you whether you're, you're like full-blown AIDS or whether you are just like a general HIV positive. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what they would do in the past uh, until fairly recently was that you would have to wait until your blood counts dropped to a certain level before you were given medication Uh, whereas now whenever you are told you have HIV then you would start medication straight away with the whole um, thought behind that of being when you start your medication within a very short period of time generally anything ranging from like a month up to three months you will become something that's called undetectable, which means that your body is repairing itself that much to the point where you can no longer pass HIV to somebody else. Right. So you are untransmittable. 
that's cool. So, how, how long did you say that was? It can take anything from between a month to three months. It just depends on how, how much your body's got to recover because your body can recover from the HIV, but it'll never lose the, the HIV that's in your system. Right. So it's, it's always there, um, but it's hidden away in latent cells in your body. And can it, can't be passed on to others? It can't be passed on once you're undetectable. Um what happens is um, you can then you can then have unprotected sex with somebody. You don't have to wear a condom uh, because you are no longer infectious. Right. Um, but say for example, you you didn't know what your HIV status was, and you were out there having unprotected sex with people, and you weren't on any medication. Um, you were you're then highly infectious, and you can you can infect an awful lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the best thing to do is just if you're having unprotected sex, go out and get yourself regularly tested. Mm-hmm. So like um, what we've got like just now, um, I don't know if you watch Coronation Street, um, but there's a there's an H, there, well there's an HIV case just started this week in Coronation Street. It's right, our right. first HIV case. Um, so basically, a young guys fell off a ladder. He's ended up in hospital in a coma. They've taken some blood from him. I've told his mum there's um, problems with his white blood cells, mm-hmm. and then she comes up with the story that um, she had uh, been aware that his previous girlfriend had died, and she was HIV positive. Yeah. And then, that, obviously, <clears throat> they've got to break the news to the, the patient. There's a possibility you're HIV positive. Um, so the storyline's rolling on from there. Right, so right. watch Coronation Street to find out about HIV. Uh, Craig laughed away over and I had a story, uh, quite the same story. It was uh, years and years ago. It was EastEnders. Aye. They had the same story. It was Mark, Mark Fowler. Mark Fowler. Mark Fowler. But he died. Aye, well, that's all. That's he died of full blown AIDS. Aye, aye. Oh, did he die then? Mm-hmm. Oh, he died. So, well, he also did, aye. Oh, he died. Again, I, I just remember that time them talking about AIDS and stuff like that. I didn't get anything about mm-hmm. it. I, I can't even mind how young I was. Pretty young. <laughs> pretty young, pretty young at that time. It but was kind of like 86, 87 or something like that was all happening you, on these days. Were you alive at that point? No, maybe after that, because I remember it happening. Mm. Or maybe it was just, maybe it was the tail end of like him dying that afternoon. Right. Uh, but I, I do remember that sort of storyline happening. I remember sort of no knowing much about it, but I knew he was going to die. So yeah. So. I think if you look back at um, sort of like HIV history, it was like sort of like the, the early 1980s, say for example 1982, when they started talking about this disease mm. that had come over from America, um, from like San Francisco and New York, where all the, these, these the, 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 they basically just blamed gay men at that point, oh, yeah. where all these gay men um, were, were all dying mm. and they couldn't understand what it was. And then um, one of the, the, the first people, or knowingly first people to die of, of, of AIDS at that time in Britain was this guy called Terry Higgins. Terry Higgins, he, um, he worked in, a, in, a, in the Houses of Parliament as a, as a, as a, like a waiter. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked in, in, a, in a hotel somewhere as well as a waiter. Um, and he, he, became, he became ill, went along to the doctor, was told he had AIDS. Um, at that point, they didn't know exactly what this AIDS thing was. Mm. And um, what they, they, they had in their minds was that anybody who came in contact with somebody who had this disease uh, was then at risk of dying. Right. 
So don't touch them. Don't drink from the same cup as yeah. them. Wash your hands mm. after you've touched a surface they've touched, you know. Um, it was really, really scary. So he he basically died alone in hospital mm-hmm. and he died um, with um, volunteer nursing staff looking after him mm-hmm. who were wearing sort of like spacesuits type thing. Oh, yeah. And his family and his friends weren't allowed to be with him when he died. So he died oh, a very, very Jesus. lonely death. And that wasn't just him, that was a lot of people who were well, dying like I that. I remember that from EastEnders. You, you, like, you were talking made, about that. Because you were like, didn't bring it up, but you've, you've been talking about that. That was made to, like, there were dirty people sort yeah. of thing. So yeah. like, I didn't touch them, didn't go near them, yeah. so they take anything that was past here or whatever. But I would imagine that's still kind of the case. I'd imagine, is that general still poverty, poverty, well, prevalent? What's, what's, well, what happened with, with Terry Higgins was his friends decided they didn't want that to happen to anybody else no. because they knew a lot of people who were dying. So Terry Higgins Trust was set up in memory of this guy, Terry Higgins, who died. And that was to help people who were dying to support them in their own homes mm-hmm. uh, as much as possible before they um, acquired other illnesses like um, brain lesions, etc., lesions in their spine, um, cancers and things. And and that's what the people were, were dying from, you know, yeah. these very, very quickly onset um, illnesses. And if, if you were told that you, you, were, that you had AIDS at that point, um, you were basically told, you know, spend your money just now because you're not going to be around in six months to sell it, you know, they had to spend it type thing. So in the, the sort of like the mid-80s, the government in Britain then decided that everybody in Britain needed to know about this disease. So they did this huge, big, massive marketing campaign and there were these adverts on TV and they were called AIDS Don't Die of Ignorance. And it was basically these fallen tombstones, and it looked like uh, World War Three was going off in the background, like a nuclear a nuclear event was happening in the background. <laughs> AIDS don't die of ignorance. And then at the same time, they also put a leaflet through every single letter letterbox in the whole country mm-hmm. uh, with a pamphlet in it to talk about AIDS yeah. and how easy it was to get. So it caused this almighty massive stigma that even today people are still struggling with that stigma because the government basically just deemed it a really, really dirty thing yeah. and um, if you were to touch somebody, you would get it type thing, mm-hmm. which isn't the case. And then looking forward from that, it took people like Princess Diana going into like an AIDS hospice and then talking to people. Uh, I know that the, the first time that she went along that she had been advised that she should be wearing sort of like protective gear, gloves, Mm. wee face mask type thing, you know. And of course she didn't do that. She she held on to the patient's hand and she spoke to him and she gave him a wee cuddle and that's basically, that's when the the, the HIV stigma started to be broken down because one person Mm. who was famous like that was able to to touch somebody and just be normal with them. Um, and it wasn't long after that that medication became available, which um, was 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 called. Um, oh God, no! Forget the word. <laughs> pause. <laughs> pause. Pause. Um, no, but basically, at that point, um, antiretroviral therapy was then was then uh, brought out, 
which um, was a combination therapy, which uh, was using various different medications uh, that they had dis- discovered that could suppress the HIV in somebody's system. Yeah. Whereas in, uh, before that, people people were just basically being used as guinea pigs and be given anything and everything to see if it would if it would stop this HIV replicating in their system. Yeah. When in actual fact, it was like going through cancer treatment and basically that was just killing the people as well. So there, a lot of people were being used as guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been sort of like the full bone has been kept sort of at bay a lot. Oh yeah, right now. very, very, very few people mm-hmm. would ever die of, 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 of AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who, who, who are dying of, age, of HIV-related illness, and that's basically people who, are, who, are, who, are, who haven't been diagnosed early enough. Right. So the quicker you're diagnosed, the quicker you, your body can recover, the quicker you can lead a normal life like anybody else. Mm. And your life expectancy um, f- today is as much, if not more, than, than, than somebody sitting beside you who doesn't have HIV. Um, we were really we were kind of shocked to, to know that most people who get HIV no longer get AIDS at mm-hmm. this point. Oh. Yeah. Uh, also because we were shocked to find out that AIDS was a collection of problems caused by HIV, yeah. wasn't it? It wasn't a separate thing that we thought it was. No. No, I was always led to believe AIDS was a disease sort yeah. of thing. No, uh, it's age-related a... illnesses. Yeah, no. that's, that, was, so that was always the yeah. place to find out. So, yeah. so, what, so I suppose we're better covering sort of what are the warning signs, but what would be the sort of warning signs to happen that would sort of involve somebody to come to you? Well, the warning signs is the fact that you're worried about something, the fact that you've maybe put yourself at risk. So if you've been out and you've had unprotected sex and you're worried about that, that's where your your main risk is going to be. Because very, very few people are are, are going to come forward to say that um, someone had cut their finger and I touched it. Your chances of you getting HIV from that is like zero. Yeah, yeah. So you're more likely to get hepatitis from something like right. that, you know. <laughs> but um, the, the 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 easiest route to get HIV is is unprotected sex, yeah. or sharing needles, um, injecting drug use, sharing needles, something like that. Is, is there any kind of like uh, mad warning signs that, that sort of come up? Like, uh... well, if say for example, like if you've had sex, uh, unprotected sex with somebody who's HIV positive, and the HIV has got into your system. Um, your body does something called seroconvert. Yeah. So that basically, it's, it's then fighting off this illness that's it's entered your body. Mm-hmm. And basically, your, your body starts to fight a losing battle. And there are different, there are different ways of, um, of, of, of having this seroconversion illness. So some people might feel like they've got like um, a flu. Oh, thing, you know, you could feel like you've oh. got the flu. Or you could have like... Um, Badly upset stomachs, mm-hmm. maybe thrown up, um, and some people just brush it off. They don't uh, think uh, anything off it. Uh, just uh, like uh, a wee, a wee like uh, three or four day bug, and then your body starts to feel okay again. Mm-hmm. So, but there's you can't you can't like walk along the street and look at somebody and think, oh my god, their nose is run. Maybe they've got get HIV because uh, that's just not going to be the case type thing, you know. Mm-hmm. That was again. But we were so surprised at every single bit of information we seemed to come across at this, <laughs> about the fact that people could not even like there's no symptoms that are that you couldn't put to someone else, yeah. like a cold or whatever. Yeah. That for someone that's as dangerous as HIV used to be, it's not as 
uh, dangerous now because of the medication. Yeah. But that's pretty worrying back then, surely. Definitely. Very, very worrying for for the people who who were living with that in their life at that time. And no. many, many, many thousands of people in Britain died. Mm. There millions of people across the world have died. Something like 40 million people have died of, of, of age-related illnesses. Um, but today, you get your medication, you take your medication every day, you very be- quickly become undetectable, and you live a normal life like everybody else, mm. where you get up in the morning, you don't think about your HIV, you go to your work, you don't think about your HIV, you go on holiday... You raise a family, you just live a normal life like everybody else. And probably the thing that's going to be your biggest downfall living with HIV is going to be mental health problems, maybe thinking about what, what are people actually oh, thinking. Other people and then the stress of like coming out with your, your status mm-hmm. and what stigma you're going to receive. So you find a lot of people like to keep their HIV pretty secret they don't like to be standing up there waving a flag uh, and and saying you know look at me I'm HIV positive because mm. well, that's not, that's there, not what everybody wants to be there has been a debate about whether you should tell a partner that you're HIV positive even if you're undetectable at this point mm-hmm. but if, if you're undetectable and you can have unprotected sex is it that much of a debate of whether you should be allowed to say it or not well, I brought a leaflet along for you to have a look at later on, yeah. and it's called HIV and the Law. Um, you can have a look at that. But that's going to be rewritten um, fairly soon because this was written before Undetectable was actually known about. Right. So this was probably about eight, maybe eight, nine years ago this, this was put together. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be like a new writing group put together to to basically reinvent the wheel of, of HIV transmission and what you c- could potentially be putting other people at risk from, um, like um, if you could end up in court or something like that. So, but basically today, if you are living with HIV and you have an undetectable viral load, you can't pass it on to somebody else, then you don't have to disclose your HIV status. So... So... I mean, a morality thing you're talking about, just kind of... Well, I don't know if... It's normally American people, and I don't know if, if... uh, their laws the same as theirs, or whether they're talking about whether you should or not, whether mm-hmm. whether they're talking about just pure morality mm-hmm. or whether they're talking about law. So I'm not sure. Uh, but when you, you you were talking about medication, is that a lifelong thing at that? But or is it just until you become undetectable? No, it's lifelong. Lifelong. It's lifelong. So what happens if you stop that with HIV start? And you become detectable again, right? which then puts you at risk of passing HIV into other people and then it also puts you at risk of your health deteriorating. Right. How long would that take then if you were just to stop your... I mean, there's obviously... It really depends on, on the person, you know, and how well they have been and what their viral load and their CD4 counts have been before they stop taking their medication. But it's something that would never be advised for somebody no. to do, Definitely. you know. No. You take your medication and you keep yourself undetectable and you keep yourself well. So it's it's a no-brainer, really, at the end of the day. Definitely. That's a huge jump forward. Yeah. Why? When was this uh, roughly released, this medication, that was as good as, as the day? Well, what they've done is that there's, there's been a few studies in the past few years. Um, there's one called the Partner Study. Um, I don't have the figures in front of me just now, but 
say something like um, there were 1,200 um, partners who, uh, one, one was living with HIV and one was negative, and they were having only unprotected sex. There was something like 55 or 56,000 sex acts between these people over the period of a, a year, I think it was, and not one of the negative people became infected. Mm. So that's that's kind of like the scientific facts that's now pushing this U yeah. equals U, which is um, undetectable equals untransmittable. Mm. So that's the kind of like the gold standard for, for HIV um, around the world just now. So if you look online, you'll see things that say U equals U. Yeah. Um, what Terence Higgins Trust did, they started their own campaign and it's called Can't Pass It On. And again, it's all it's all scientific evidence all related to the likes of this partner study where not one person has become um, infected. Excellent. So that all then moves on to uh, like other drugs that are then available because one of the, the drugs, which um, is an HIV drug called Truvada, is now um, being used as something called PrEP. PrEP was introduced to Scotland in July this year. And it's for high-risk group um, people who are having unprotected sex. Um, so you basically you take this Truvada tablet every day and it stops you from getting HIV. Oh, So... All right. that's, that's So that's nice. just from July this year. Um, it's only available in Scotland presently um, on the NHS. Um, we never uh, ever had a trial for this, yeah. but they had the trial in, in, in England... And they also had trials in, for example, in France. And from all of the, 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 the trial data, basically the only people that came back as being HIV positive were the people who weren't taking their medication right, or, right. or a couple of people who were um, basically hadn't told the full truth about when their last unprotected sex was and their bodies hadn't seroconverted mm. when they started the trial. It's so, pretty conclusive then, basically. Yeah, it's like... It's amazing. So that, so that would be the drug for people who have a partner with HIV who's in a sort of a period of trying to become a... Who's just started medication. Yeah, to, to keep them undetectable. Yeah. yeah right. To get them undetectable. So someone like that would, would, would be offered... Um, like the partner of someone who's just became HIV positive would be offered PrEP. Right. Um, other people being offered it would be, like, say, for example, um, gay bisexual men who are having unprotected sex, or, say, for example, like um, intravenous drug users, or, right. or even like maybe people who are selling sex as well. So, people at high risk, it's not just for anybody to get it because it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but generics are going to be, uh, they're going to start using generic um, Truvada um, from this month. Right. Um, so that will re- re- reduce the, the costs by a, a whack of money. Definitely, yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. HIV is a, a really interesting stage just now. Mm-hmm. There's, a lot of, there's a lot happening. You know, U equals U, PrEP being available. Is there, I take it there's, there'll be like new drugs and stuff being worked on at the moment as well. Yeah, the, 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 the drugs companies um, are, are always looking at improving their, their drugs. Um but as I mean, as of yet, there's not a cure for HIV. No. Um, whether there ever will be, we'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But there's only ever been one person who's ever been um, cured, in inverted commas, of, of HIV. 
and he is an American guy who lived in Germany and basically um, was HIV positive and he also got some, I think it was leukemia he got mm-hmm. and um, they basically, they were trying to get rid of all this, these, these cells on his body and the guy literally died three times and looked like a skeleton in order to rid himself of HIV and his body. But just because it says in, in these, these, this evidence that he doesn't have HIV, there's, the chances of him still having the latent cells in the likes of his brain or in his spinal fluid is pretty, pretty high. Oh. But I mean, the guy, he's alive, he goes around the world and he talks about the fact that he's HIV negative but he's the only one who's being cured and it costs something like a million euros and for somebody for the quality of life to have gone through all that mm-hmm. to have lost all that time out of their life to to be cured is it worth it mm. are you better off just taking the medication and living a normal life uh, like it seems everybody like the medication else? is the best the best show for that yeah what one thing i would like to bring up as well because we are sort of talk about like we're skeptics sort of naturally eh, we sort of talk about loads of different stuff is there any kind of like miracle cure people that have come out and have said this cures AIDS like like for instance there's people that say oh, eating, um, eating raw vegetables and taking a coffee enema every morning will clear you from uh, cancer yeah, and all that kind of stuff has there been anybody that's come out with any kind of things that they have well, Charlie Sheen claimed that he'd been <clears throat> uh, cured of HIV they had me yeah <laughs> There are people out there who say, but there's there's no evidence to actually back it up. Yeah. Um, and there's some frightening th- things out there as well because you know people who have been on their medication who are undetectable, who are then told you know if you eat blah blah blah, then the chances of you, you your HIV being cured is really high. No. It's, it's not going to happen. No. Um, even in like say for example like in African countries and stuff, there's. Like your, your, the, the local witch doctor would say, you know, if you go out and you have sex with a virgin, then you'll become, you'll, you, mm. she'll take your HIV from you and you won't have it anymore. Um. And that's why there's so, so many of the, the, the black African population who are, are living or, or, or have died yeah. from, from HIV that. just because of silly banter. That's the kind of thing that makes me a skeptic. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Just kind of hearing these kind of stories. So, so ultimately there is no cure mm-hmm. the best way to, to 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 cope with your HIV is take your medication every day so get tested to at least keep it at bay that's the main that's the main goal so it keeps it at bay keeps you alive mm-hmm. keeps you living a normal life like everybody else so mm-hmm. why if it's a no brainer at the end of the day one thing I was reading about was uh, haemophilia. Is that yeah. haemophilia? Yeah. It's a blood thing. A blood thing. Yeah, blood um, clotting and things and like that. You used to do something with that as well. Do you use like do sort of information and stuff? About um, honestly, I don't know. Right, I've seen it on the website, it might just be a wee side thing. That right. that was I know that um, years ago, like haemophiliacs were given blood transfusions, but the blood hadn't been tested. Right. So that's going back to like the 80s and up until the early 90s, before the blood was actually tested for the likes of HIV. Right. So uh, everyone who has blood transfusions now, the blood is clear, you know. And um, HIV-positive people aren't allowed to give blood. Um, 
and also um, it's, it's kind of looked down as well with gay men as well, you know. Yeah, there's a few places yeah. that turn away gay yeah. men or bisexual men. Yeah. Anybody that has sex with men. Yeah. Yeah, but again, that's something that's, that's in the process of being changed. No, it's, it's an anal sex thing, as mm. far as I'm aware. It's, a bit, it's just stigma at the end of the day. It's just people just being really, really silly. Mm-hmm. That's it. Were you at the Pride Festival this year? Um, I wasn't in the one in Glasgow, no. Um, I was the one in Fife. Oh, that's, that's the one I was thinking yeah. about. Yeah, and it was brilliant. It was great seeing yeah. the amount of people there turning up for that. Again, yeah. we've done the film for that as well. Yeah. For the Fife Centre for Equalities. And... We knew it would be populated, we mm-hmm. knew it would be some people gone, mm-hmm. but the amount of people that turned out, we just got the, I think it was like the research figures on it the yeah. other day, and it was something like 30,000 people that turned up for yeah. That's absolutely amazing to see. Yeah. One thing I hope they do next year is don't bring whistles. <laughs> whistles <laughs> are the worst invention I've I, ever oh. I think I was giving it whistles. Ah, see, oh, this one of the first ones you didn't like it. Oh. No, I was, I was really. I was surprised at just how many people had turned up because mm-hmm. um, we, we, we set up our stall and then we walked down into the main street and um, walking from the front to, to where we ended up marching from, I'd imagine looking at the people, I counted in rows, I'd imagine there was probably about 25, 30 rows along from the front <laughs> and at that point I couldn't actually see the front oh, no. of the parade and I turned around and I couldn't see the back. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is massive. Oh, yeah. And there was only one person there who was standing with a placard who... It's the same guy I've seen. It's a, a wee old man, you know. Oh, yeah. And people were standing there getting a photograph taken with him. But he, <laughs> So he was, he was promoting, like, Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't want the gays, whatever. Oh. But, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And I thought it was pretty good that he stood there in that, in that respect, mm-hmm. just to show a bit of diversity. Because there was no problems from the guy. No, there was no nothing like that. Whereas I've been to, say, for example, like um, Pride events down in Carlisle. Um, mm-hmm. And there are there's a lot of people who stand there and scream and shout. And it's basically, it's a young LGBT community, the kids who stand there and just stand there with their whistles and blow their whistles out loud to the point that these people can't be heard. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whistles are coming in. I take back you a, know? a previous comment. <laughs> so it, it hides these horrible comments right. because they were saying some horrible things to these kids, right. you, know? Um, you know? You know, you'll die, you'll burn in hell and all that because you're gay, you know? Mm-hmm. This is like 13, 14-year-old young impressionable we had, kids we filmed a bunch of people showing their support for Pride that mm-hmm. was what we were filming and the first person we went to film uh, there was a drunk guy behind us started shouting at us uh, about being gay and stuff and he didn't seem to have any any arguments there he just didn't seem to like the fact that people were celebrating something that mm. he didn't that he wasn't yeah. Like the one they celebrating him being straight, so it was the first. So why bother? So why bother? And he was really, I've really angry about it. I've heard that argument a lot. That they, but he didn't. We, we didn't get a straight pride, so what's, <laughs> so why did they get one? Sort of thing. But the thing is, when you look at that event, it wasn't. It wasn't just about 
about being gay or, or, or bisexual or whatever, it was about equality. Yeah. And that, that for me, is, is a pride today. It's about everybody being equal yeah. and being able to share in everybody else's experiences. So I, I'd imagine that a hell of a lot of people who came along to that stall on that, that Saturday afternoon were from the street community, oh. but yeah. they were there to support their, their, their <coughs> gay friends because... Mm-hmm. There's definitely no, no as many out people in, in Fife as what there was who turned up on that, on that parade. What, what I think is some people use that day to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping is what happened. Mm-hmm. But we were there, we were straight. We uh-huh. found it, we spoke to a bunch of people. We'd, we knew, didn't we knew get a couple any. of folks were here. We didn't get more for being straight. Mm-hmm. So that's... Not real hard. I wouldn't expect that. <laughs> no, but uh-huh. the straight people tend to mourn a gay people for being gay. So yeah. I thought it was a brilliant event and it brought a hell of a lot of um, people from out with the, the Five Era who, who came to the event itself and then when you add up what they spent per head was, I mean it was a, a lot of money that was spent in yeah. the town. So if you think about it, if the shopkeepers and the locals actually got on and think about how much money this can generate, you know, it, this is a great event and they yeah. should participate that wee bit extra for it next year. I think it was something along the lines of uh, 120 grand they created. Uh, per head? No, no. Uh, it, was 40, some, it was something like 45, 50 pounds per head. Aye, aye. I think it was the, the economic game or whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, Kind of mind exactly, but it was something like 120,000 or something. Ah, that's, that, that numbers for them to justify the five council next year, yeah. isn't it? Right, aye, aye, basically, yeah. basically. But I mean, at one point, I had I had my bubble, I had my, my stall, um, and and right in the tent, I was at the front, right, the front yeah. and I had my bubble machine going. Right. So I was getting a lot. Of, I was having a lot of people coming in that had kids and stuff, and because of bubbles and stuff, you know, it was bringing yeah. people over. Yeah. But then my batteries ran flat, and I thought, you know, and I was running out of sweets. Um, you know, anything to, get, anything to come up to get people to come up to your stall. So um, I was also wearing like um, gold lamy hot pants mm. and, um, <laughs> and, and, a, and, a, and a glittery hat. And um, I thought, you know, we need sweets <coughs> and we're, we're, the batteries are running out in this, this, this bubble machine. So I'll, I'll run down to Pound Stretcher. <laughs> so basically, I then left the safety <laughs> of the tent. And I walked down Kirkcaldy High Street mm. wearing my, my, my gold lamy hot pants <laughs> and, my, and my sparkly hat. And I had like my rainbow, I think I had a rainbow, I had my tennis against t-shirt on and I had like um, rainbows on my, on my cheeks and stuff. <laughs> and I found myself walking along the high street and getting, to, getting into Pound Stretcher or whatever it was called and um, getting a few wee odd looks in the shop. But I thought to myself, you know, I don't look any different from me or less anybody else who's up in that tent. Exactly, exactly. So let's get back up to the tent. But I was walking down to the parade to confirm it. There was a few drag queens sort of walking past. Just either there was like some in front of me, some behind me, there was loads everywhere. And you'd see sort of a few people just going, I've seen a lot of that. That was quite great to watch, man. Just people just. Especially with the people in the the Star Wars. I don't know if they were Star Wars. It was some sort of like alien character things. Uh, we spoke to them. Ah, we spoke to them. I can't remember uh, what their name was. Nah. But they got a lot of, a lot of weird looks. <laughs> but I think they, they planned for it. I think they'd expect oh, definitely, that. Yeah, definitely. They, yeah. they dressed provocatively to get the weird looks. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely a fantastic day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were the last stall to clear up. And then we went over to Katie's after that. 
right, oh, yeah. um, I forgot they've done that actually. So there was the Katie's event afterwards. So what I'm hoping for um, for next year, for the Pride for next year, is um, thinking a wee bit ahead and then also doing like a promotion uh, stand and the likes of Katie's as well. Because oh, yeah. there was plenty of people had had gone over there as well. So I think we could make like a, a kind of like a second Pride event afterwards, you know. Oh, that'd be cool. I think it'd be really, really good. It didn't seem to be as part of the like, promotional material, but also that night there was a, a, a punk gig. There was three gay punk punk bands performing in, <laughs> I can't remember what the pub was called, but it was in the high street right. that night. But it wasn't part of the promotional material for the event, so I, I think it was just sort of out with. Yeah, I never heard anything about that. Never heard that anything That was the same all. night. <laughs> my pub went to it. That was pretty cool. It was, it was a fantastic event. I was really, really pleased. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to the, to the, the Rainbow Gala and a year the end of this November it would be um, which was the, the, like the launch pad for the, the Pride event itself oh, and again yeah. that was that was fantastic mm-hmm. that was in um, the Carnegie Centre in Dunfermline right. so we had a big ball um, and people were given awards and stuff like sexual health awards mm-hmm. um, awards for being like um, an inspiring LGBT um, teenager type thing for the community and things like that you yeah, know so it was really really good who was that guy we were speaking to he was a a guy that worked with the NHS, he's oh, been boy, championing for uh, people to take the LGBT community more seriously. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, that's the name. We had him on film, but he, he was too quiet. Uh, so uh, we couldn't actually add him to that. Guy's a legend. The film. He worked for the NHS for years and he'd been in meetings before. He would have laughed at the place trying to get like more sort of equal rights involved. Right. And he's been sort of doing that for well, 25 years, didn't he? Uh, he right. won. Uh, he won <laughs> he's won this thing, so. Right. Crazy. So, uh, I mainly uh, we're going to get in to talk about we World AIDS Day. That's yeah. coming up quite soon. Okay. So, World AIDS Day, um, international day around the, around the world for people um, to be remembered who who died of of AIDS um, or HIV. Um, happens every year on the first the first of December. Um, what we're doing as a as a community. Um, We've got an event happening in the Scottish Parliament on the 28th of November, it is, mm. a Tuesday, um, where various organisations from around Scotland are all getting together um, to basically lobby M- MSPs um, about about HIV and about AIDS and how people are living today and how... We, how Money that um, w- would have been given t- to to support these charities and things in the past has all just been like reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just trying to get to get a wee bit of like promotion around that to try and bring a wee bit more um, information to people who 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 don't who don't really know an awful lot about HIV in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's happening on the the twenty eighth. Um, Looking at stuff that's happening in Fife, we've got an event happening in the St Brycedale campus of the college on World Days Day itself in the first. Um, so I'll be going along to that with a stall, as well as imagine um, Waverly Care and the NHS. Mm-hmm. Waverly Care is another um, HIV charity. Oh, right, 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 it's right. Scottish based. Right, that's cool. So they're they're uh, based in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. So we've got that we've got that happening. And what they're like stuff like um, an organize an organisation called HIV Scotland do. They um they campaign to have buildings lit up red. Mm-hmm. 
So you you find a, a landmark building, and um, they can they can get you the acetate and stuff, and they can they can basically change the the, the lighting on the buildings so that the oh. building lights up red. <laughs> so in the past we've had the lights of the Fourth Road Bridge. Uh, been lit up red and there's a, a lighthouse close to there as well. Oh, I really so it's been lit up red and then there's been various buildings and um, and um, say for example Kirkcaldy uh, and the family been lit up red as well. Mm-hmm. So it's called the Light Up Red campaign. So maybe get some of your listeners to maybe lobby um, the local council to have you know landmark buildings lit up. Oh, that'd be cool. Just just to show a bit of support. Yeah, that would be really good. Definitely. And the theme for this year as well is um, Wear Something Red. Nice. So, World Days Day, I fear about, you know, wear a red t shirt type thing, you know, red mm. shirt. Excellent. Show so your support. Today, you'll be driving with that time, hopefully. I'll drive a red car. <laughs> there you go. What we've got is um, if you ever want to test for HIV and you feel a wee bit embarrassed about going to a clinic, you want to make it a wee bit easier for yourself, mm-hmm. you can log on to the THT website, uh, www.tht.org.uk, mm-hmm. and look up Fast Test. And what you can do is you can send away for a home testing kit. And this is what comes And up. this is the home testing kit. So basically inside there, there's a couple of lancets and you basically, you, you jab the end of your finger, just like a diabetes test, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you squeeze some blood out of your finger into the little capillary tube and then you post that off and within three to four days you get your results back telling you whether you're HIV negative or positive. That's cool. It comes back as a, a text message if it's negative and if it's positive, you get a phone call and then there's a clear referral pathway then on to where you would go um, to have your, 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 your test confirmed. Yeah. Confirming it as taking blood from the arm, where they then count your blood cells and then you would start your HIV medication straight away um, to basically start rebuilding your system. Because <coughs> mm-hmm. the, like, the normal way would be have to go to the doctors and all that stuff, and yeah. it might take weeks to get yeah. set up. That's a lot quicker, yeah. easier to get through. In our office in Glasgow as well, we have like um, like a, a faster test. Uh, we started off doing one which was um, 20 minutes. Right. So that, that for me, uh, I, I find it an easy test to do because you're able to then talk to the person oh, yeah. while they're waiting for the results whereas in the past when you went for an HIV test you were um, counselled before you had the test and then you'd have the test and then you'd wait a week for your results Jesus, and then you were counselled before you got your results and then you were given a wee bit of extra counselling after you had the results so, and it would have been so it's all that waiting and waiting and waiting whereas the 20 minute test you know we can we, we we ask people some demographic information and some sexual health information, mm-hmm. uh, and then we do the test, and then twenty minutes later they get the results. We've also got another test in the office which takes um, le- like, like like around a minute. Um, I find that one a wee bit scary for myself, you know, because it's woo, you know, it doesn't give me time to get myself prepared to tell somebody if I've got if I've got to give them bad news. That's a good point. Aye, it's no, it's it's just. Um, Something that we were thinking thing yourself, yeah, so it gives you the... yeah, to get yourself prepared mm-hmm. because it's a shock for you as well. No, obviously not as big a shock as it's going to be for the person you're about to tell, yeah. but you need to be in the right frame of mind to be able to tell somebody what their status is. Definitely, yeah, yeah. and you also get people who who are quite surprised that they're coming back as a negative, and then they get a wee bit upset in the fact that they had been expecting it to be worse, oh, yeah, yeah. and. Um, it takes them a wee while to to console themselves. So you've got to kind of like 
support people through that as well. 